My name is Coach Joey Solowitz. I'm a certified health and wellness coach, and this is my unsolicited advice. Welcome to Unsolicited Advice with Coach Joey. I'm Coach Joey. All right, I am sitting here at my desk in Azores, Portugal, where I live most of the year. Some of you may or may not know that I have a hybrid lifestyle. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I spend roughly three months a year out there, and I spend the other nine months out of the year in Azores, Portugal. Azores is where my kids live. It's where they go to school. It's where I spend most of my time. It's where my ex-wife is native to. And we moved back here about three years ago as a family to give our kids a taste of the European island lifestyle. And overall, it's been an overwhelmingly positive move for us. We love it here. It's calm. It's peaceful. There's a slower pace of life. There's a peace to the air. There's nature. There's ocean. It's green. The weather's temperate. And the people are pretty damn nice. Just to name a few of the reasons we like living here. Not to say that similar aspects don't exist in the United States. However, having raised our kids for the better part of the first half of their childhood in Arizona, we wanted them to have a taste of what it was to be European as well. Because the last thing we wanted for our kids was that they grow up to be dual passport holders who know nothing about one of the countries that they hold a passport to. All right, so that's a bit of the backstory about where I live and why I'm here. But today I'm simply going to use my episode to tell you a story about my trip home this past weekend. We spent the past six weeks in the United States, in Arizona, traveling around. We spent a little bit of time in California. It was just my two little girls and me. They're nine and 12 years old. And we had the time of our life. But like all good things, the trip was destined to come to an end because we had to get back home to Azores to get my kids off to school. Now, every year I go back and forth on this trip because we come in August when they're on summer break and out here they start school the second week of September. And I usually choose to come back the weekend before they start school, which is subject to some analysis considering that that gives them roughly two or three days to recover from a long journey across a continent, across an ocean with a seven hour time difference. And it can put them in a situation where they're going back to school jet lagged. But they're kids, they're resilient. Usually, in my opinion, if you can give them 72 hours to recover, they'll be more than fine, which is exactly how the trip was planned. We were supposed to leave Phoenix on Friday morning and arrive in Azores on Saturday morning for a school start on Tuesday, thus giving them the whole weekend to recover, relax, and settle in before going back to school on Tuesday. We left my house in Phoenix at roughly 8 a.m. on Friday morning in anticipation of the roughly 18-hour journey home. It's a pretty simple journey, about as easy as you get when you're going to Europe. You fly from Phoenix to New York, and then from New York, you fly to Azores after a five-hour layover. Each flight takes roughly four and a half hours for a total of 14, 15, maybe 18 hours of travel, including drive to and from the airport. And I said New York, but this time around, what I meant was New Jersey. We flew into Newark. In Phoenix, there was a slight flight delay. They told us as we sat on the tarmac waiting to take off that there was a storm over New Jersey and they had to wait to take off until they'd be sure the storm passed so they'd be ensured a safe landing upon arrival. No big deal. We left about an hour late. We landed in New Jersey and we proceeded to sit on the tarmac for over an hour waiting for a gate. Our tardy arrival had resulted in there not being a gate available for us, thus requiring the passengers to sit on the tarmac for an hour. Still not totally favorable, but we had a five-hour layover. We're th two hours behind, so we still have three hours to catch our next flight. And we're in the same terminal, so absolutely no cause for concern. But this is where the story gets interesting. We get off the plane, go grab a bite to eat, completely unstressed. 
find our next gate, flight scheduled to leave to the Azores at 11 p.m. out of Newark. And as we sat at our gate, roughly 10 p.m. at this point, we noticed on the board that the flight had a slight delay. It was going to be 30 minutes late off the tarmac. No big deal. We'll leave at 11.30 instead of 11 p.m. We're still going to get to Azores first thing tomorrow morning on Saturday. Well, as it approached 10.30 and 10.45 and now 11 o'clock, we still weren't boarding the plane. At this point, the pilot came up to the gate. Now, this is where I was impressed. And I do got to give a shout out to this pilot for United Airlines because I've experienced flight delays before. And quite frankly, as a passenger on an airplane, I think that it is a miserable thing to do to a person to simply announce on the flight board that the flight's delayed and offer no reason as to why. Because if there's one thing I'm certain of, one of the biggest factors driving human beings' anxiety is uncertainty. If you tell me why I'm delayed and I can have a certain expectation of what to expect out of that delay, I'll stay calm. However, if you simply tell me I'm delayed with no information whatsoever, it's cause for anxiety, cause for concern, and it's hard to sit still and not worry about what's happening. But this pilot owned that. He was at the gate and he came on and he said, hey, listen, everybody, we have a problem. There's been delays across the entire Eastern seaboard and we have a crew, we have a plane, we have a pilot. What we do not have is a co-pilot. So your flight is delayed for now while we try to find an on-call co-pilot who can come service this flight. Okay, no big deal. We're a half an hour late right now. They changed the board to 1 a.m. Still, not too big of a deal. A two-hour delay, we can certainly handle that. We'll walk in circles around the airport terminal. We'll have a snack and watch her screens and still fly out at 1 a.m. The pilot did note that he would come back every 15 minutes and give us an update, which again, I truly appreciated that because simply knowing that I had somebody looking out for us and giving us accurate information about why we were delayed and what to expect out of the next portion of this journey was a huge cause for anxiety relief. Every 15 minutes, he came back on and said there was no co-pilot yet until finally 1 a.m. hit and the board changed to canceled. Not delayed, canceled. Now, if you've ever been to the Azores, which I acknowledge many of you probably have not, you will be well aware there are very few flights out of the domestic United States to the Azorian Islands. You have one flight a day during summer from New Jersey, JFK, and Boston, and that's it. So if you have a cancellation, it's a pretty big problem. It means at a minimum, you're going to lose 24 hours of your journey. So the pilot said the flight was canceled. There was nothing more he could do for us. It was one o'clock in the morning. My kids and I were sitting there in the Newark terminal, not really knowing what to do. My kids looked at me. They were stressed. Of course, dad, how are we going to get home? Dad, where are we going to sleep? Dad, what are we going to do? And of course, I was stressed too. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. At this point, we've been traveling since eight in the morning, Arizona time. And I said, you know what, kids? We have a problem to solve here. And it's probably going to be hard to solve. But right now, in this moment, the only thing we need to worry about is finding the United Airlines customer service desk. Because that's one of my mechanisms for problem solving. Life is a series of large challenges and large problems that we need to overcome. And in that moment, I knew that the only thing that really mattered was solving the first portion of that problem. Getting home was not the issue at that point. Finding the customer service desk was. It's a far smaller, less daunting problem to solve. So we grabbed our backpacks, we went for a walk, and we found the customer service desk. Onward to the next problem. Upon arrival at the customer service desk, they told us that there were no more flights available directly to the island from Newark or Boston or JFK. I asked. They said the best that they could do was get us on a TAP flight, T-A-P, that's a Portuguese airline, from New Jersey to Lisbon, clear across the Atlantic Ocean. Mind you, the islands I live on are about halfway across the Atlantic. So do the math on that. It adds about 1,500 miles of flight time 
straight past where I'm trying to get, and then of course, 1,500 miles back. And worse yet, that flight wasn't available until 11 o'clock the next night on Saturday night. So now I'm effectively being told that I have to be in Newark for the next 24 hours, only then to go to a place I'm not trying to get to and wait another 12 hours in that place to backtrack 1,500 miles to the island I actually live on. Not ideal. The gate agent told me that there were no hotels available either. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? I've got two kids here. I can't sit in this airport with two kids for 24 hours. She said, I'm very sorry. There's been a number of cancellations. Every hotel in the vicinity is completely booked. I was like, well, I really appreciate that this is not your fault. I appreciate that you're doing everything you can to help, but you also need to appreciate the circumstance that I'm in and understand that I really cannot leave your desk until I have a confirmation for a hotel in my email inbox. So we need to solve this problem. What can we do? She quickly got back on her computer and found a hotel. The closest one available was 49 miles away, 49 miles across the state of New Jersey at two o'clock in the morning in a taxi. We got to the hotel. We finally fell asleep at roughly 3.30 in the morning. Funny side story about that. Upon checking at the hotel, they asked me how many beds I need. I said, there's three of us. We need at least two. She said, okay, there's a couch bed and a king bed in the room. We go upstairs to the room and the only thing I see is a king bed. I'm looking around and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit frustrated at this point. It's 3.30 in the morning. As you can imagine, my patience is at its end. And my oldest daughter looks at the wall and she says, uh, Dad, I think that's the bed. And it was a Murphy bed, one of those beds that like folds up into the wall that you would see in like a 1980s television sitcom. So I opened it up and she reluctantly got into bed and that's where she slept. And my other daughter and I slept in the king bed in the other, in the other room of the hotel. We woke up that morning. Now we've got still roughly 18 hours to kill in New Jersey before our flight. And we were in a small town called Flemington. I don't know if anybody listening has ever heard of Flemington, New Jersey. Quaint, cute little place, but whatever you're imagining out of a place called Flemington, New Jersey, that's pretty much what this town was. I thought, man, what are we gonna do in Flemington, New Jersey for 18 hours? We don't have a car. The only thing we can do is take an Uber back to the airport. I don't want to go sit at the airport for 18 hours. Oh, and mind you, a part of the story I forgot to tell is we didn't have our bags. At the service desk when they were rebooking us for the TAP flight the next day, they told us that our only option was to come back to the airport in the morning to get our bags because they were stuck on the plane as everybody else had gone home for the night. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Catch a taxi 50 miles back to the airport, get my bag, and then 50 miles back to the hotel? No, I don't think I'll do that. So go ahead and just check them through to the final destination, which they did kindly. But that left us in Flemington, New Jersey, knowing we weren't going to be home until sometime Sunday night with no bags, no supplies, no clothes, nothing. So I got online, things to do in Flemington, New Jersey. Thank you, Google. And I found a place called, oh gee whiz, it escapes me now, but it was something to the degree of Dutch Amish Farmer's Market, about a mile from the hotel. I said, well, that looks entertaining. So I said, kids, get dressed. And we walked down to the farmer's market and thank God it was a cool place. They had a bakery. They made fresh pretzels, fresh donuts. They had, out, had all kinds of fresh produce. Of course, at this point in our journey after 24 hours of travel, pure exhaustion, absolutely no impulse control remaining and a lot of frustration running through all three of our veins. We did not go for the fresh vegetables and lean proteins. We went straight to the pretzel factory, the donut bar, and my youngest went to the candy store. And we loaded up on sugar and we went and sat down at a table and went for a pure dopamine hit of high carb, high fat foods to help ourselves feel good for a brief moment before hiking back to the hotel a mile along an interstate to wait out the last 10 hours of our time in Flemington. I offered to find something else for the kids to do, try to take a taxi across state lines to Pennsylvania, go see something over there, explore more of New Jersey in a taxi, but they weren't up for it. They just wanted to sit in the hotel. So that's exactly what we did for the subsequent 10 hours. 
I think I did like three 10 minute hit workouts in that time in my underwear because I had no clothes to change into. My kids watched their screens and dabbled around with whatever things and trinkets they could find in their backpacks. And overall, we sat and we waited. Finally, we get an Uber back to the airport where the Uber driver was courteous enough to tell me that I should never have scheduled a United flight out of Newark because that is United's hub. And he gave me a quick travel hack that I am now going to impart upon you that I, as a lifelong traveler, was unaware of. But upon reflection, it's pretty genius. He said, dude, you always have to fly the carrier whose destination you're trying to get to, never get from. He was like, so if you're going to Portugal out of Newark, you fly TAP. If you're coming to Newark from Portugal, you fly United. Reason being, the TAP flight will always go home because they can't afford to rent the tarmac space from the Newark airport for any longer than they have to. The United flight, however, will sit on that tarmac for as long as they have to if it doesn't come at a loss to them because it's not costing them anything. It's their hub. They can park their planes there as long as they want. So good advice from him that I will keep in mind for future, future travel bookings. Always try to book the airline of the destination that I'm getting to to avoid flight cancellation and delays as much as it's possible. Anyway, sidebar over. We get our Uber. We get back to the airport and it is shoulder to shoulder people. You have to imagine hundreds of flight cancellations from the day before all rebooked for this following day, just like us, along with everybody who was already supposed to travel on Saturday. Anyway, the airport was a madhouse. We waited in line to check in at TAP. I politely asked if our bags had made it to the plane. She told me there was about a 50-50 shot that they would as there was literally thousands of bags down in the baggage hold that they were trying to sort through to get to the new rerouted flights. I said, whatever, just make sure the bag tags are scanned and you have my information. She said, yep, we sure do. And we went on to our gate. We go through security, we get into the terminal, and now we decide, okay, we need to eat. The last thing we ate was donuts and pretzels at about nine o'clock in the morning, and now it's nine o'clock at night. Shame on me as a father, but this day was a day with a complete and total lack of structure. So you can imagine how well meal planning went that day. And I said, don't worry, we'll get something in the airport terminal. Well, the Newark Terminal B is uh, suboptimal if you're looking for great dining. There's a pizza restaurant and a sandwich shop. That's it. Had we been in Terminal C, there was a litany of options the night before, but this time we were in Terminal B. We get in line at the sandwich shop and I'm proudly standing there with my $45 worth of airport vouchers that the United Airlines attendant had been kind enough to give me. 45 bucks for 72 hours of my life. And I thought, well, at least $45 will get us some sandwiches. Up until this point, I had really kept my cool. I'd been, I'd been pretty chill, if I don't say so myself. And I was proud of how I was handling it. I get to the counter with my sandwiches in hand to buy three ham sandwiches for myself and my two girls to eat. And the guy says, sorry, we can't take your vouchers. Uh, our, our credit card machine is down and these vouchers need to be run through the credit card machine. Now, I'm not proud to admit it, but this is where I broke down. This is where I lost my cool. Sandwiches. I have $45 to pay for sandwiches. I acknowledge that that's way too expensive for three sandwiches, but I have 45 bucks in the bank. But at this moment in time, I thought that my vouchers were gonna cover my sandwiches and that my credit card was not gonna get me to pull out of my wallet. When he told me this, my head dropped to my hands. I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. You have to give me my vouchers. I need this, I need it, I need it, and I lost my cool. And then I immediately, Within seconds, caught myself, collected myself, and promptly apologized to the man because I felt really bad. I was like, dude, you're selling sandwiches in an airport. You don't need me to give you grief because my flight got canceled 24 hours ago and I'm just simply tired and frustrated. So I'm sorry about that. How much are the sandwiches? Let me cover them and get out of your hair. And he was like, dude, I feel for you. Uh, best I can do is give you a few muffins on the house and a couple beverages just for your trouble. And I was like, hey man, thanks. I appreciate that. Get our sandwiches, we go eat. 
completely unsatisfying meal after effectively 24 hours of not having proper food. But all the same, at least we had something in our stomachs and we go over to our gate to wait. Well, now the TAP flight is delayed. The TAP flight was delayed approximately an hour, not as big of a deal. We fly across the Atlantic Ocean to Lisbon. Now we have a 12 hour layover in Lisbon. As luck would have it, we do have family in Lisbon. So rather than sitting in airport purgatory for 12 straight hours, we were able to reach out to some family who came and got us at the airport, got us back to their house. We were able to take a shower, have a proper meal and change into the t-shirts I had bought me and my kids at the Newark airport the night before. So while we were still wearing the same pants, socks, shoes and underwear, at least we had a new t-shirt and looked pretty styling in them. I like to force my kids into wearing matching clothes as me whenever I can get away with it. And buying them three t-shirts in the Newark, New Jersey airport was a cause to have matching clothes. So that was one fun part of the story. Anyway, we hung out at my aunt's house for a little bit, but she had some things she needed to do in the afternoon. So she dropped up, uh, dropped us off in a small town in outside of Lisbon called Mafra. So the girls and I could dink around for a little bit and see something new. Not really new, we've been there before, but all the same, it's a cool little European village. So worth, worth stopping in if you're ever passing through Portugal. Mafra, that's M-A-F-R-A, Portugal, Mafra, Portugal. And we walked by the big cathedral and we had some pastries and coffees at the little cafe and just sat and waited a couple hours for her to come pick us up. She picked us up, drove us over to the airport, and we caught our 10.30 p.m. flight back home to the Azores where we live for an arrival of midnight Sunday Azores time. That took an 18 hour journey and turned it into 72 total hours, 40 extra hours of layover time, 3000 extra miles. That's 4,500 kilometers extra of flight time straight over the place we were trying to get to. And then 1500 miles straight back to it. It was exhausting and it was stressful. And there was a lot of things that went wrong. And that's the story. We got home and now instead of having three days to recover before their first day of school, my kids effectively had Monday and then they started school on Tuesday. But being the champions that they are, they made it. They went to school and all is well. So they're a little tired, but like I said, kids are resilient. They'll get over it. Now, here's where the lesson is in this, because there was a version of me not too long ago who would have absolutely lost my cool at every step of the way along this debacle of a journey. The moment my flight was canceled a number of years ago, I would have lashed out in a fit of anger. I would have been frustrated with the gate attendant who was doing nothing more than trying to help solve my problem. I would not have handled it well because not too long ago, before years of therapy and mindset work and trying to better myself into somebody who can react better to my emotions, the only way I knew how to express any emotion was through anger. Frustration showed as anger. Fear showed as anger. Tiredness showed as anger. I didn't know how to navigate my emotions. I didn't know how to break things down into smaller, more manageable problems. All I knew how to do was look at something quickly, reactively, and show the only thing I really knew how to show back then, which is anger. But I've worked really hard on that in the past number of years, very hard on it. And I gotta say, I don't wanna float my own boat. That's not what this podcast is about, even though it could be, it is my show, so I guess I can do whatever I want. But I'm proud of how I handled this. I really am because it was a pretty miserable situation. Traveling alone with two small kids as hard as it is, but traveling alone with two small kids amidst hours and hours and hours of flight delays and extra fly time is even more challenging. But we handled it and we handled it well. And the way that we were able to do that was with this simple trick. The challenge at the moment that the flight was canceled in Newark, New Jersey at 1 a.m. on a Friday going into a Saturday morning, the challenge of getting home no longer was the challenge. That was too daunting. It was too much to deal with. It was too hard. The challenge was to simply find the United Airlines help desk. Simple as that. And from there, the challenge was to wait in the line. 
And from there, the challenge was to talk to the agent and figure out how I was going to get a flight home. And from there, the challenge was to figure out what hotel I was going to stay in, how I was going to get a taxi to that hotel. And from there, getting a good night's sleep. And from there, how to have fun for 18 hours stuck in a small town in New Jersey without going insane. And from there, getting an Uber back to the airport and so on and so forth until we got home. This problem wasn't the overarching problem of getting from Newark to Azores. It was the small micro problems that built up the entire overarching challenge that I was trying to resolve that I focused on at any one moment. And that's what I challenge you to do. Reassess, reframe, rebuild. Reassess your thinking. My flight got canceled. This sucks. This is terrible. That's how you could approach it. This is going to make my day harder. You could think about it that way. And it would be true. But does it help? Not really. Reassess. What's really happening here? How can I possibly solve this problem without having it be completely miserable? Reframe. The flight being canceled is completely out of my control. But what about this do I control? control how I react. I control how I handle each subsequent interaction between now and when I eventually get home. Reframe it to take accountability for what you do control in the midst of something that is absolutely out of your control. And rebuild. Rebuild your plan, rebuild your strategy, rebuild your individual tactics so that you can go solve the problem at hand, which for me in that moment was getting home. Reassess, reframe, rebuild. Help break your problem down into the smallest component parts. Solve them one at a time. Wash, rinse, repeat, and you will eventually get to wherever you are going, get home when you're stuck in an airport, get that certification that you're working on complete, lose those 50 pounds that you can't seem to figure out how to lose, get stronger in the gym and hit that bench press you've been working on hitting for years, or whatever else the challenge in front of you is that you feel is too daunting to finish. Reassess it, reframe it, rebuild it into its smallest component parts so you can go solve it and get where you're going. For me, the problem wasn't getting home to Azores. The problem was finding the United Airlines customer service desk and solving one problem after another until I got home. Simple as that. And here I sit in the Azores today, Tuesday, September 13th, 2023, recording this podcast. I hope the story was entertaining for you. I hope the lesson and takeaway from it is something you can apply to your own life. And I hope you enjoyed. As always, I'm Coach Joey. I appreciate you listening. If you got anything out of this, be sure to share it with your friends. It's the only way that this show can grow is if my audience helps me grow. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found value in what we talked about here today, please make sure to subscribe to the show, leave a review, and most importantly, share it with somebody else who you think might enjoy listening. Thanks again. Thanks again.